Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading can be found on page 608. Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are they who maintain peace, who constantly do what is right. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favour to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned, even as our fathers did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. In the desert they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glory for an image of a bull, which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the desert, 
Make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the lands. They yoked themselves to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They provoked the Lord to anger by their wicked deeds and a plague broke out among them. But Phinehas stood up and intervened and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. By the waters of Meribah, they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them, for they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Therefore, the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He handed them over to the nations and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them but they were bent on rebellion, and they wasted away in their sin. But he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love, he relented. He caused them to be pitied by all who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. As we stand, let me lead us in a prayer. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Lord, we pray that you would have the praise and the glory and the honour as we listen to your word now. We pray that we would listen to what you have to say to us by your word and spirit. And uh, may our lives and our thinking, our attitudes and our hearts, our lifestyles be so shaped by you that we praise you, not just here with our lips, but that we give you the glory, the wisdom, the thanks, the honour, the praise, the strength forever with our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please uh, do sit down. And uh, turn uh, back, if you would, to page 608 to Psalm 106. 
this is uh, the fourth in a, in a series on uh, this section of the Psalms entitled Praise the Lord. Uh, and uh, tonight's uh, theme is Whose Love Endures Forever. Uh, and uh, so I want to uh, just to cut straight to the chase, uh, go straight to the heart of the issue, not much of an introduction, but simply to say that the big idea of this psalm is right there in the first verse. Uh, would you look at that with me? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. That's uh, the sentence, the part of the psalm that Paul started our service with this evening. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. The rest of the psalm is really just simply a commentary, I guess, on verse 1. And so I want to say that if you forget everything else that I say tonight, remember verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe uh, that the one at the very heart of the universe, the one who rules absolutely everything and everyone, the one whom you will have to give an account to on the last day of judgment is, in his very essence, in his character, good and loving. Do you believe that? Uh, the backdrop, really, it seems that the poet who uh, penned this uh, poem, this song, seems to have known people who did not believe that of God. Uh, if he's good and loving, why has he allowed us to get into such a mess? A uh, part of the psalm is actually, Lord, would you get us out of this mess? People today say the same thing. If there is a loving God, why did he allow this to happen? If there is a loving God, why on earth did he allow that to happen? And uh, as I say that, I guess that with this number of people, uh, we're striking a note there, which is very real in some of our hearts. Why is that happening? A genuine question, perhaps in your, in your own life right now. Maybe you doubt God's love. And uh, as we come to Psalm 106, I want to say, well, don't, don't be too hasty in drawing that conclusion. Uh, as it were, take a, a step back and, and take a, a fresh look at the God of this psalm and uh, perhaps pray in your heart, Lord, if this is true, help me to rediscover you, the God who is loving. It's not always easy. In fact, sometimes it is very difficult to fathom, very difficult to explain God's love. Uh, verse 2 says that. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? No one can actually do that. God's love must be understood in the context of holiness. His holiness is a part of his love. His love is a part of his holiness. Uh, and uh, you know, how, how could a loving God at the moment, how could a loving God in heaven look at, at what's happening in Syria and smile? Well, he couldn't, could he? And whatever might be going on in your life at the moment, which is difficult, can I imagine God looking from heaven and smiling? No, it's got to be put in with uh, his justice and with his holiness as well. It is unthinkable, isn't it, to see God smiling at this world unless his holiness and his justice are marked there with his love. Verse 3, blessed are they who maintain justice, 
who constantly do what is right. That God is a God who uh, bigs up justice and righteousness when he sees it. He is a holy and a just God and his love has to be seen in that context. Psalm 106 intensifies the focus uh, on God's love and um, it's a simple, this analogy, but I, I think it works real well with this psalm. As we look at the whole psalm together, it's kind of like a black cloth on which is placed the diamond, the jewel of God's love. And uh, the backdrop of all that uh, God's people are getting up to and have got up to makes God's love shine all the brighter, like a, like a jewel sat there on a felt black mat, shining bright with a light that's uh, going through it. I want to have that in the back of your mind as we engage with this, uh, this psalm this evening. You see, God is incredibly, wonderfully loving, despite all that his people are getting up to in this psalm. Uh, God uh, rescues them again and again and again from the mess that they get themselves into. And they deserve to be in a mess. And yet God reaches out in love and compassion and kindness uh, and uh, so uh, the, the writer of the psalm, he does, he, he prays for rescue. He, he understands God as a, as a God of love, he, even in the context of people's rebellion. Remember me, O Lord, when you show your favour to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. See, something's gone wrong with him. He needs rescuing as well. And he kind of says, Lord, when you come to rescue everyone else, then please don't forget me. But he prays that prayer in, in confidence, uh, as we'll see. Maybe you can relate to uh, the writer of the psalm at that point. You know, remember me, O Lord. Please don't forget me. When you're showing your favour to others, don't ignore me, please. Bring me into an inheritance with everybody else. May your eye of mercy and love and your care not look over me, but see me and draw me in as well. Uh, but then the poet, he immediately admits that there's a one huge, great, big problem, and that is the backdrop of the whole psalm, which is picked up there in, in verse 6. We have sinned. Even as our fathers did, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. There is suffering going on in the background of this psalm, and not all suffering is due to sin, but quite a lot of it is. And here at this point, the poet, this thinks it's right, it's important to understand human nature and to be honest and recognize a few home truths about human nature. And so I want to look at the rest of the psalm and uh, it won't, uh, I hope, take too long, the full, uh, going through the, the, the whole psalm, uh, just under, under two headings. And um, the, the thing I like you to, to keep, sort of keep in mind is uh, one of those uh, smartphones. I've got a smartphone. I don't know how to use it really. My children help me in figuring out how to use it. Uh, but many smartphones now, you can change which way the photograph is taking. You can take the selfie and then switch it with a button to zoom in on something else. And in this psalm, as we look at it tonight, I want to, as it were, 
to put our smartphone up and take a selfie and then flip the button and focus on God, all right? So that's, um, you know, to, what to, to, to have in mind. So taking a selfie first, all right? That's what we're going to do first. It's not a pretty sight, let me warn you, all right? This psalm, remember, it's not talking about the pagan world. It's about God's people. It's about believers. And that's why I think these verses are so important for us. I mean, sometimes we might be shocked at the church and the church, the church worldwide. We see all sorts of things going on that appall us and shock us. Well, if we get our minds and our hearts around Psalm 106, then we wouldn't be shocked by anything. Uh, so what then were the problems uh, with uh, the people in uh, this day when this uh, poem, this psalm was penned? There's a number of things. First of all, forgetfulness. Uh, look at verse 7, verse 13, uh, and, uh, and verse 21. Uh, he says there in, in verse 7, When our fathers were in Egypt, you gave, they gave no thought to your miracles. They were, they were forgetful. They just didn't think about what God had done for them. Sometimes we have this idea that if God was to do some astonishing miracles, then we would all have faith in him. No. The Israelites saw the, the miracles of the, the, the plagues upon Egypt, and then they went through the, the Red Sea that was parted. Uh, God did that through Moses, and they just forgot it all. Didn't change them one bit. They soon forgot what God has done. Memory is so important in the Christian life. You've got to remember those special times that God has blessed you. Remember them, treasure them. If you don't keep a journal, keep a journal. And write those things down where God has particularly spoken to you, answered your prayers, and led you through your life. But the greatest work of all is Jesus. It's a great sin to ignore, to forget him. And uh, I want to ask... And who here, who here hasn't yet trusted Jesus? You've not quite ignored him. That's why you're here. Maybe tonight is the night for you to say to Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Oh, please, would you send your Holy Spirit into my life to change me and to transform me? First of all, would you forgive me and help me not to keep forgetting you? But for you to be the centre of my heart and my life and lead me to walk with you and to worship you with my life. Forgetfulness, disloyalty. Uh, look at uh, verses 16 to 18. Uh, that's uh, referring to uh, something that happened back in Numbers uh, 16. We've not got time to look back at that now. Uh, in any organisation, uh, you can have healthy disagreements and healthy arguments, but uh, never disloyalty. Uh, and um, verse 16, in the camp they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. There was this disloyalty that went on in the family of God. Uh, and then verses 19 to 20, third thing, idolatry. Uh, we might call it multi-faithism. They took on board uh, Egypt's religions and uh, as it were, they said, well, let's widen the tent uh, and uh, bring others in and uh, let's have multi-faith services. Yeah, that'll be good for, the, for community relationships, perhaps. 
um, might have seemed a reasonable thing to do with relationships with others, but, uh, but God sees it as sin. Verse 23, so he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. So there's forgetfulness, there's disloyalty, uh, there's idolatry, uh, there's loss of hope. Verse 24 speaks about them losing interest in the promised land. It's a serious thing when God's people give up being interested in the future, in the new heaven and the new earth. And goodness me, in our, our world, which is so materialistic and so infected with consumerism, and goodness, I don't think I really know how materialistic I really am. It's that bad. Careerism and uh, educationalism. It's right deep in our hearts and, and it just saps, saps the spiritual energy to look with hope to the future, to the new heaven and the new earth. Loss of hope, they were guilty of that. And number five, grumbling. Verse 25, grumbling. Notice it was uh, grumbling, not in the open. They were grumbling in their tents. They wouldn't come out of their tents. They just stayed in their tents, whinging. Uh, I guess that doesn't really happen at Christchurch Fullwood. Uh, grumbling quietly on your own with a few friends, bequined, locked doors. That does happen here, doesn't it? And I know that. Because I'm a grumbler, and I don't think you're that different to me. It's a terrible, terrible sin. Ultimately, is dissatisfaction with God. Look at verses 26 to 27 if we want to see the results of, of grumbling. So God swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the desert, make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the land. So beware whinging, beware grumbling, guard our hearts, keep our eyes fixed on, I mean, the two things go together. Now, if we're going to lose sight of heaven and what's to come, and if we think it's all about now, we're going to grumble, aren't we? If we have our hearts set on heaven, we can begin to shape our, our attitudes now and perhaps be a little bit less grumbling. Sexual immorality there, verse 28, the worship of Baal Peor seems to have involved sex. Uh, and uh, the result there, verse uh, 29, they provoked the Lord to anger by their wicked deeds and a plague, plague broke out among them. And then verses 34 to 40, just plain apostasy. Many times he delivered to them, he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. But he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For the sake of his covenant, he remembered his, he, for, the, for their sake, he remembered his covenant. Uh, he caused them to be uh, pitied by all who held them captive. But uh, the striking thing, just in those words before that, they did not destroy the people, verse 34, as the Lord had commanded them. They mingled with the nations, adopted their customs, worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them, sacrificed their sons. This is astonishing, isn't it? Their daughters, the demons, they shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. They just got in with those terrible uh, religions all around them. And you see it on BBC Two programmes where they go to ancient places and some BBC Two uh, guy goes into, uh, into some ancient te temple where they did sacrifices of children and they talk in a hushed tone. No, it's just terrible. 
Well, that's the kind of stuff that they were getting involved with. And this is the people of God. That's the selfie. Would you put it on Facebook? It's, not, it's pretty gruesome, isn't it? Forgetting God, disloyalty in the fellowship, idolatry, multi-faith worship, forgetting the future hope, grumbling, sexual immorality and apostasy. So let's flip the button and focus on God. That's what the psalm does wonderfully. In the light of all that, verse 43 is absolutely stunning, is it not? Many times he delivered them. Absolutely wonderful. Why? Because they'd done anything. No, no. They kept on sinning and rebelling. Uh, Verse 45, for their sake he remembered his covenant and out of his great love he relented. God is faithful. He's faithful to his people when they don't deserve it. Uh, And, uh, you know, you might be here this evening. You might have just turned up out of the blue and be kind of like an interested inquirer into Christianity tonight and aware of your guilt. Sometimes our guilt can be false guilt, not real guilt. Someone has done something to us and we feel terrible and that's a false guilt. But, but God will even bring cleansing for false guilt and he brings cleansing and he'll wash away real guilt. He does love, he does save, he does rescue and we're remembering that tonight, aren't we? as we gather around the Lord's table and eat bread and drink wine, remembering what Christ has done for us. God's faithful even though we don't deserve it. That is his nature and that is his love. And, but how do, how do we access his love? How do we access this wonderful aspect of his nature towards us? Well, two things simply, prayer and people. First of all, prayer. It was when God's people cried out to him that God acted. Uh, it says where they were, they were sufficiently desperate to pray and that was the moment when they turned to the Lord and he heard their cry. Verse 44, he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. And that can be true for us, can't it? Sometimes we can go through our lives ignoring God, merrily cruising along, doing our own thing when something happens and then we're, we're crying out to God for help. And sometimes we can beat ourselves up for only praying when things go wrong. The astounding thing is that God doesn't. If we're genuine, he responds. He responds with great love to bring about our our forgiveness. God heard their cry and he'll hear yours. He will hear your cry. But we've got to be careful. Not all prayers are good prayers. You can see in verses 14 to 15, they prayed for the wrong stuff. And God gave them the wrong stuff and it really wasn't very helpful for them. You can meditate on that when you get home this evening, verses 14 and 15, and think, hang on, how do I need to shape my prayers in the light of that? God giving you what you ask for isn't necessarily proof of God's approval. But uh, the poet's prayer is repentant prayer. At no place does he try to make any excuses for himself or for God's people. Sometimes we, you know, we make excuses to try and bridge the gap between us and the person we might have wronged or, or offended. You know, sorry I was bad tempted, uh, tempered, I, uh, I've not been sleeping well. And we, we just hope that as we move a little bit forward to them, it'll help bridge the gap of forgiveness that we need. No, no, the psalm does, psalmist does none of that whatsoever. You look at uh, verse six again. We have sinned. Even as our fathers did, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. We're no better than our ancestors. 
It's not that we fail to learn their lessons, we've actually followed their example. It's not a case that things are getting better, dark ages, enlightenment, universal education. No, we've been unable to improve the human heart. Greed, envy, selfishness, hatred are all still here. Lord, would you forgive us? We're just like our fathers, our mothers and our ancestors. No excuses. Would you forgive us? Would you forgive me? So prayer, the way to come before God humbly. Not trying to claim anything, but repentant uh, before him and honest. Secondly, people. Uh, on the one hand, there's uh, Phineas, verse 30 to 31. Uh, it's, it refers to uh, Numbers 25 when Phineas took some rather ruthless action with God's people uh, who were seduced into a spiritual and sexual immorality. He uh, skewered a couple of folks with a, with a spear, uh, kind of like a kebab. Terrible stuff there. If you want to go and read that, it makes very interesting reading. Uh, the thing I want to say, though, is that he took rapid action. He didn't set up some sort of committee to say, is this, do we still call this section of morality or not? Or is the goalpost moved? We need more people like him. God's people need to take swift action in the sight of God and to bring things back to God in a good way, to bring about reformation, revival. But at the other hand, and most significantly, there is Moses Uh, And uh, verse 23. So he said he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. That is absolutely astonishing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. God is going to pour out his wrath on his people and one man walks out and says, Lord, please don't do that. Stands between God and the people stands in the way of wrath. And in a sense that there's intercessory prayer going on here, do you pray for your friends? As it were, do you, in your mind, you say, as you, you're thinking a, a, about a, a passion for life and uncover at the moment. Do you think, you know, what are my friends facing? They're facing the wrath of God. And in my prayer time this morning, as, as it were, I'm going to intercede. As it were, in my mind, I'm going to step in that way there and say, Lord, please, would you forgive them? When I say, would you read Luke's gospel to them, would you lead them by your spirit to say yes in their hearts? But above all, it's Jesus, isn't it? The the intercessory action. He went where no one else could go. (laughs) Moses was a great forerunner of Jesus. And this is what we're celebrating this evening as we come to Holy Communion. Jesus stood and bore the full wrath of God, stood in your place for you and for me. That is the only way that we can be reconciled to God if we have that person, the only person who can stand between us and our rebellion and our sin and God's wrath and take it upon himself so that we might be forgiven. So that when we pray, Lord, would you forgive me? He can say, of course I can. Because my son has taken your punishment instead of you profound it's striking it's absolutely wonderful and uh, that is why the psalm ends on great note of praise verse 47 verse 48 as we draw to a close now it's fantastic isn't it save us O lord our god and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise praise be to the lord the god of israel from everlasting to everlasting 
Let all the people say, what? Do you agree with what the psalm said? Amen. And then what does it say? Brilliant. Brilliant.